contents of the lab report meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today, on the lab report, Dr. Brian Jerby, colorectal surgeon and functional medicine certified practitioner. We're finally going to talk IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Sorry about your Phillies. Yeah, we gave it a great run and still got the Eagles. Eight no. Big football weekend. I noticed our CEO's team also yes. beat Tennessee. So congratulations there. Yep, that's right. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. I'm wow. Patty Devers. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm crushing it and living my best life. That's excellent. That's excellent. So is your football team, apparently. That's right. Uh, well, this is a podcast. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you, Genova, very Thank much. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, and integrative therapeutics, and the like. And if you're new to this show... Welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for all of the support. And hopefully you'll go to iTunes, Spotify, all the places, and perhaps subscribe to the show. Hit all the buttons. Give us all the stars. Leave us some reviews. Do that. If you've got additional feedback, you can send your feedback to podcast at gdx.net. I was just looking at my phone because a text message just came through. It said, Uh pumpkin pollution is a problem. Here's (laughs) what you can do. Who knew? The more you know, guys. (laughs) I smell a podcast episode in that. Yeah, that's one of those headlines that kind of stops your brain from working. <laughs> of course. Um, what are we talking about today, Patty? Well, we are going to interview Dr. Brian Jerby, who happens to be a functional medicine certified practitioner and a colorectal surgeon. Right. That's impressive. Awesome. And finally, finally, we are going to talk about inflammatory bowel disease. Yeah, we've kind of been skirting around we have. inflammatory bowel disease uh, because it's, uh, it's difficult. It's complex. And we... Didn't want to mess it up, so we decided to get the guy. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us out there can resonate with the challenges of trying to manage and treat IBD patients and and maybe having some failures, maybe some successes here and there. So if we're going to talk about it like we know anything about it, we better get the guy. We got the guy. Let's call the guy. So, Patty, today we have on Dr. Brian Jerby. I know, I'm really excited for this interview. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Jerby. He received his medical degree with honors from the University of South Carolina, then pursued a residency in general surgery, followed by both a GI laparoscopic surgery fellowship and a fellowship in colorectal surgery. Dr. Jerby is also an IFM certified functional medicine practitioner. Further study into the role of functional and integrative medicine for the treatment of GI conditions has resulted in the prevention of surgery in many of his patients and eventually led to the founding of his current practice, Legacy Health Integrative GI and Functional Medicine, which is dedicated to treating GI conditions at the root cause level. Dr. Jerby's passion continues to be focused on gut health as the foundation for all health. He also hosts a podcast called The Gut Connection. Awesome. Dr. Derby is a devoted husband and father whose quest for clean health led him to establish new legacy farms in 2010. Very cool. These natural farming practices have not only enabled him to feed his own family, but also to contribute to the health of many other families through farmer's markets and a seasonal market within his own medical office. How cool is that? I know. And without further ado, thank you so much. Welcome to the show, Dr. Derby. 
All right. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, like I told you before, uh, I'm not even sure that's me, but uh, thank you for the <laughs> nice introduction. Uh, I appreciate it. So I'm glad I'm happy to be here on your podcast and uh, I'm excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Well, awesome. Awesome. We have so many questions for you as a GI expert. But first, like most functional medicine clinicians, you found your path to this way of practicing medicine through your own health journey. Can you tell us a little bit of that story? Sure, sure. Uh, it it started as a kid, actually, and mm-hmm. um, I uh, I had a, a a bacterial illness, which then evolved into an autoimmune disorder, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up having to have surgery for what's called a ileocolic intussusception. But anyway. Um, not, don't need to go into those big details, mm-hmm. but that set me on a path um, toward medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, it, nobody really, I grew up in a real small town in Kansas and, and nobody around there, as far as medical personnel were concerned, really had any idea of why this all happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I ended up having surgery, blah, blah, blah. And made my own diagnosis of Henoch Schoenlein purpura um, when when I was in medical school, um, and realized that that is exactly what had happened. And then became very interested in um, the you know what goes on in the gut, um, how it shows up in other areas of the of the body, and how it affects other systems, etc. And so. Um, got into medical practice um, because of that. And then, uh, you know, during um, conventional medical practice, kind of realized that, wow, you know, I was treating in-stage disease. Yep. You know, I, yep. they, people were sent to me in a point that, wow, this is so bad that we have to cut out a section of your body. Right. Mm. And, you know, I thought to myself, wait, you know, is there something that we can do to intervene before it got to the point that you needed my skills or my services? And um, then that kind of led me down the path of, wow, you know, all of these young people with these diseases that are coming more and more prevalent as time goes on, these used to be old people's diseases. Now they're young people's mm-hmm. diseases. What's the deal, right. you know? Right. And um, got into uh, looking at or thinking that, well, wow, this must be have something to do with what we're eating. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me into um, organic farming and ultimately what it, uh, what led me to search for um, something that addressed root causes. And of course, functional medicine was the answer. And um, that's kind of where what got me to doing what I am doing now. And it's been very rewarding. And um, I no longer cut out large pieces of people's bodies. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still, um, dabble in surgical intervention, uh, do a lot of colonoscopy, do a lot of, uh, things, um, short of cutting out people's, um, uh, organs, but, um, am now doing root cause medicine, um, uh, intervening at that level and, and, um, enjoying it greatly. So I, I hope that, that 
answers your question. Yeah, I, no, I love it so much because I, I come from the conventional world too. And then I came here to functional medicine and I thought, why aren't we marrying these two things together? I mean, there's so much missing in conventional medicine that once you see it, you can't turn away. So we're glad you're here, sir. Yeah. And, and naturally your, your practice legacy health is focused in, uh, you know, GI disorders and we've kind of covered a lot of functional bowel disorders on this show. Um, and you know, a lot of what we do with the stool testing is addressing different functional bowel disorders. We haven't talked a lot about inflammatory bowel diseases like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, um, you know, partly because of, man, that's just really difficult to treat. It's It's so challenging to treat. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as a colorectal surgeon, you've surely seen, you know, a lot of ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. Where do you start with IBD patients when they come into your office looking for help? Wow, that's a great question because, uh, you know, I, I see people at all stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the issue is that, you know, most of them have already been diagnosed, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I, I did just do a colonoscopy this morning on a uh, 17-year-old that um, had some rectal bleeding, blah, 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 and led to a colonoscopy. And lo and behold, this this is his diagnosis of ulcerative colitis. But mm. usually I'm not the one making the diagnosis. Usually it's, uh, it's a person coming to me, um, you know, already having been diagnosed mm-hmm. and at different stages along the conventional medicine treatment. But what you got to realize about conventional medicine treatment for inflammatory bowel disease is that, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, inflammatory bowel disease is exactly that it's inflammation. Mm -hmm. And there, when it comes to conventional medical practice, there's one tool in the toolbox steroids and, uh, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. Mm anti-inflammatories of some sort. Right. Right. And so when you only have one tool in the toolbox, which tool are you going to use, um, you know, to treat your problem? Well, obviously you're going to use the tool that you've got and that's anti-inflammatories in whatever way that comes uh, about whether that's uh, something like misalamine mm-hmm. or it's steroids or it's biologics. Um, what I realized early on is that there are so many areas that need to be addressed when it comes to inflammatory bowel disease that um, those are areas that no matter where a person is in that spectrum of um, diagnosis, uh, stage of disease and treatment that addressing these other areas can be very helpful. And, and so, uh, you know, not only do we want to address inflammation, but, uh, we want to address the reason for the inflammation in the first place and studies. I mean, I just did a, I just did a review of the literature of, um, of the utility of look, looking at um, the the uh, GI microbiome um, and uh, and its influence on inflammatory bowel disease, and of course the studies are all starting to show and have shown for a few years that one big root cause. Now it could be more than just one, but one big glaring area is the microbiome, mm-hmm. and. Um, whether the microbiome gets shifted and the immune system reacts to that shift or 
the immune system gets activated and attacks the microbiome, those two areas, I think, still have to be worked out. But it's kind of like one of those areas that we've got to address is um, is the microbiome. And, you know, we can look at different um, species even of certain microbes uh, and, and, you know, see if they're overrepresented in the microbiome or underrepresented and address those imbalances, um, uh, you know, at the root cause level and really make an impact on uh, somebody's, uh, you know, in, uh, severity of their disease. So a big thing that I do is look at the microbiome. Another thing that I do is address nutritional deficiencies. Um, we look at, um, you know, sometimes we look at hormonal uh, levels. We address diet. We, um, you know, we just look at all these root cause things, stress, um, sleep, you know, all those things that really in conventional medicine, I was like, um, okay, let's just give you this medication and come back and see me in six weeks. And if it doesn't really affect you um, positively, then we'll try something else. Mm -hmm. And so I did that a lot. And that six week period, uh, people would come back and they would say, doc, sorry, that medication you gave me, I'm, I'm having the same symptoms. And I just started thinking to myself, I've just wasted six weeks of this person's life. Mm -hmm. And if you do a lot of wasting of six weeks blocks in your life, that adds up pretty quick. Right. Um, so uh, we, we try to keep in touch with our patients pretty closely. So we're not wasting those six week blocks of their life. Like <laughs> I did when I was doing conventional medicine. So we got to address all those other areas. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we're going to talk about today is we've got to look at the microbiome. Mm -hmm. That's one area that conventional yeah. medicine has yet to, um, really embrace. Love yeah. that. Love that. But with, with that functional medicine approach, right? Multifactorial nutrition, diet, lifestyle. How successful are you in getting these patients into remission or decreasing their medication bur burdens? Because there are a lot of people who have inflammatory bowel disease. Is there hope out there? And is functional medicine really working for you, for them? Yeah, um, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the answer is that, uh, it, it, <sighs> What should I say? The no matter what, how you enter this um, this process, whether or not you're already on biologics, or you want to try to avoid biologics or steroids, mm -hmm. or you're um, on them and you want to get off of them, um, we're able to help people stay off of medication or mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals long term. Uh, we're able to help people get off of them in some cases. Yes. And, um, you know, we're not anti-pharmaceutical, but uh, not many young people, because I see a lot of young people, want to hear that they've got to be on this, um, you know, have get an infusion every six weeks for right. the rest of their life. Right. Um, right. And so uh, many of them are looking to um, avoid that or get off of that. And we've been successful in many cases. Now, are we 100% successful? Well, anybody that tells you that when it comes to treating inflammatory bowel disease is a liar. <laughs> right. um, so, I mean, there are cases that... Um, they don't get, they don't reach their, their goals. Um, but no matter what, we're 
we've optimized um, their system uh, in other ways, nutritionally, um, from a microbiome standpoint. And if they have to stay on um, on uh, pharmaceuticals, then um, that we help their pharmaceuticals to work more efficiently. Yeah, so, love that. I don't know. That's a long answer no, to your it's short a great question. Answer. But, it's a great answer. Yeah, there's but hope. there, but there, there is hope. There is yeah. hope for you out there who might be listening who have inflammatory bowel disease. There's other things to do in addition to um, to your pharmaceuticals. So that's yeah. the message. Excellent. Yeah, and I just want to follow up with this question or thought, I guess, is you know regarding diet and IBD. I don't know if this has been your experience, but it seems that you know there's there's not just one diet that seems to work well for for people with IBD, whether that's the elimination diet or the elemental diet or, you know, varying other anti-inflammatory diet, it really does seem to fit kind of this personalized model of functional medicine um, where it kind of really just depends as the ongoing joke we have here at the podcast is everything depends. Um, But has that been your experience or have you found that, you know, most people most often tend to benefit with a certain diet type? Yeah, no, um, that's my experience is that you've, you've got to try to determine what it is in a person's diet that might be um, exacerbating their IBD. Now, um, does diet play a role in the treatment? You better believe it. Did I tell patients for years in conventional medicine that diet didn't matter? Yes. Right. <laughs> well, I, I don't tell them Oops. that anymore because the, <laughs> because right. the re- the research is overwhelmingly uh, convincing that diet is plays a huge role, maybe not necessarily in the initiation of IBD, but definitely um, in the um, perpetuation. You know, it keeps it, it can keep it going. It can um, perpetuate uh, inflammation. So is there one single diet? No, because people have different um, underlying uh, intolerances or whatever uh, that that helps perpetuate their IBDs. For instance, some people might not, their gut might not process certain carbohydrates very well. Mm-hmm. And then that um, allows uh, dysbiosis, uh, imbalance of, of gut bacteria, and then that imbalance drives um, the inflammation. In other people, it might be, you know, a um, uh, an inability to digest and absorb fats appropriately. Um, so uh, we try to find those in different people. We don't always just really nail it down precisely, mm-hmm. but um, there are a ton of diets out there and we we do a lot of dietary um, therapy, but there is no one size fits all. And I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. So it yeah. depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's why, you know, you need, uh, people need someone who does a lot of, mm-hmm. of that sort of thing, dietary intervention. Um, and, and I know you, you all are, um, uh, are, are, would be proponents of people getting with licensed providers, mm-hmm. you know, who have proven that they've uh, done the training and got the education that right. uh, instead of just some Joe Schmo on the, on the internet. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> so um, definitely anybody out there listening that has IBD and you want to know more about diet, get with somebody, a licensed practitioner who does it a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you will you will thank me for it later because I gave you that recommendation. <laughs> but <laughs> it's very important um, to get with somebody that n- knows what they're doing. Yeah, excellent advice. Yeah. Okay, Doctor Jerby, let's mm-hmm. talk stool testing. This Great. is a Genova podcast. <laughs> we happen to know you're a client of Genova, and you use our GIFX stool profile, which we think is the Mac Daddy of all stool profiles in the world. But Wondering, do you have any interesting cases to share where the findings on the GI effects may have actually changed your approach or made a huge difference that you wouldn't have thought? Yeah, let me preface this, uh, the answer to my question uh, um, in this way. There are some pundits uh, out there on the uh, blogosphere and podcastosphere. Is that, is that a word? We're that's all a, in it. That's a great word. <laughs> Welcome to the podcastosphere. <laughs> that I've actually listened to who um, are kind of like saying, well, we cannot use the data very well, um, you know, to direct a, uh, a patient's care uh, from a from a comprehensive stool analysis, whatever lab that may be. Uh, And I totally, absolutely, 110% disagree because I've done it Mm -hmm. thousands of times Mm -hmm. um, because you don't know what you're going to find if you're not looking for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got to look for it. And I can't tell you how many times something unexpected came up on a stool analysis and and if I hadn't have gotten the stool analysis, I would, you know, still be kind of groping in the dark for what was wrong with this patient. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I would say that it's it's every day it makes a huge difference yes. for a patient. And rarely do I get a stool test that doesn't have some actionable data on it. Mm-hmm. And that could be. Um, you know, addressing digestion and absorption that could be, and many times is bacterial balances that could be the presence of yeast that could be, you know, um, uh, metabolites like um, short chain fatty acids. So, and, and I can't tell you how many people that I've seen that I was, I, I was surprised to find mm. a low level of uh, inf- inflammation, um, based on their calprotectin level, so it it need it needs a comprehensive approach to un- uncover some of these root causes. So um, it makes a huge difference all the time. Love that. Love that. <laughs> That's really we funny. hear that too, right? Yeah, Michael? we do hear that. We also hear because we talk to a lot of doctors in our you know one on one clinical consults too. And sometimes when that surprising finding comes back, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a knee jerk of like, well, that can't be right. And so <laughs> you know what right, we tend to say right. is, well, if you expect the results that you get back every time, then you wouldn't need to order the test, right? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and, um, you know, there's only certain things that you're going to find out, um, that you can't find out anywhere else on a, like a comprehensive stool analysis. And, and, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just super important. And especially when it comes to looking for root causes of autoimmune diseases and, um, and skin manifestations, mm. I've got some, photos on my um on my desktop that a patient sent to me a b- before and after for um she had this 30 some years thir- early 30s 
um, you know, so she's young, but she had this horrendous rosacea Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, looked at her, uh, her microbiome, um, identified some imbalances, addressed those imbalances. And she sent me an after photo and it was completely cleared. It was, it was, it was amazing. And and again, I, I wouldn't have known those imbalances to address um, if I hadn't gotten the, um, the stool analysis. So Amazing. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's far reaching. It well, and to go back to what you were saying at the top too, I mean, that patient, you know, it may have just started with rosacea or maybe rosacea was, you know, step two or three down the path, which you're getting to that early, you know, intervention rather than late stage intervention. Yep. yep. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Cause, um, yeah, you, you know, you, you think of um, some people's rosacea, ha- you know, uh, advancing or progressing to the point of um, irreversible changes, um, and uh, it happens. And intervene early, and and you know, solve the problem. Yeah, love it. <clears throat> well, we also happen to know that you are a bit of an aficionado uh, when it comes to GI testing technologies such as whole genome sequencing. Um, and we bring it up because we recently released an add-on to the GIFX called the Microbiomics using whole genome sequencing. So I'm just kind of curious to get a little bit of your thoughts on how you anticipate maybe uh, taking a look at this, using it in clinical practice, or even just what you've learned from the research around whole genome sequencing. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm super excited about this and and have been for quite some time uh, now that we're uh, able to, to do this uh, in the U.S., um, more readily. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I am very excited about this because now we're going to get even more precise information about someone's microbiome or their, their GI microbiome. And, you know, that's important because, uh, the more precise information that we can get, then the more, um, precisely we can treat somebody. And, um, so, uh, I'm very excited about this, and I think it's going to have a profound impact on the way I do things, and, um, and especially in IBD, because uh, mm, mm-hmm. uh, you know you, there, we get down to the to the strain level as far as genome uh, sequencing, and now are able to predict uh, more precisely if um, hydrogen sulfide for instance, is going to be a problem. And, and if anybody has IBD out there and is listening to this, then you'll know that hydrogen sulfide, especially in ulcerative colitis, is uh, a big deal for a lot of, uh, a lot of people. And to, to address that is going to be, I think, um, is going to be a major, a major change for us. Now, previously, you know, we had ideas uh, mm-hmm. about the organisms being able to produce hydrogen sulfide, for instance, uh, especially desulfovibrio, um, which is on the, the current, um, you know, the current stool analysis. But now we're going to be looking more deeply into some of these um, that haven't, uh, haven't been able to be sequenced um, by the, the previous, you know, 16S uh, sequencing. Now we're going to be looking into organisms like, um, 
uh, Bilophila wadsworthia. Yes. I, lo- yes. I love that organism. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't love that one? <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's a big hydrogen sulfide producer. And mm-hmm. um, so we're going to be able to look at that better. And I think we're going to be able to um, have uh, better information about uh, uh, fungal organisms too, because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the, the current, um, the current, you know, uh, analysis the technology um, uh, is a little bit underwhelming as far as identifying fungi. Mm. Um, and I have a lot of patients who um, I believe fungi is the problem. Mm-hmm. And now with the um, shotgun metagenomic sequencing that we're um, going to be doing, uh, we're going to be able to more accurately um, identify those, um, those, uh, fungal or yeast species that are are going to be i think um identified as as being a root cause in a lot of people's um underlying issues so it's going to be it's going to have a big impact for me and um and uh i just am so thankful that um genova is uh is you know is making this available out there uh and i'm going to be i'm going to do it first on myself. Yes. <laughs> Check it out. And yep. And, um, but I will be, I've already been talking to a lot of my patients about it. So, great. um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, as far as uh, that's concerned. Yeah, we're and excited. I did a whole podcast on my own, on my own show about shotgun metagenomic sequencing awesome. and, um, how it's going to be, uh, going to be, uh, you know, practice changing. I well, wasn't yeah. going to say earth shattering, but <laughs> we can surely link to it in our show notes. Yeah, so that absolutely. They can check it out. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, I follow up question from an intervention standpoint. Um, this question just kind of popped up into my head, but you know, up until this point, to my knowledge, uh, fecal transplants are only available or only approved for uh, C diff infection, and so. Ha- ha- we know that there's a lot of interest in whether the applications, you know, how powerful the applications might be to IBD. So have you been following any of that progress? Do you know where we're at as far as uh, some of the research around fecal bowel transplant in IBD? Yeah. You know, um, there are a number of studies that um, show that it can be effective. And, and like you say, it's only FDA approved. Fecal transplanting is only FDA approved for recurrent C. diff uh, infections at this point. Um, but it's been looked at uh, a good bit in, in research settings and done more readily in Europe uh, and, you know, places outside the U S um, and, uh, so I think uh, it it de- definitely plays a role. Um, it's it, there are some negative studies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some also some studies that uh, have suggested that that um, there's a higher risk than we originally thought of actually transmitting certain um, you know yes. uh, organisms mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily want. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, one just kind of to further uh, your question a little bit more, um, there are more and more studies beginning to, to suggest that it's not as much the living organisms that, that, um, 
that we used to think that it was the living organisms and it was to a certain degree, but it's really what the organisms make. Yeah. Yep. So it's their metabolites mm-hmm. and there are so many metabolites uh, that, you know, we probably don't even know about mm-hmm. um, to tell you the truth, but that's, that may be where a lot of the power from fecal transplants um, comes from. And that's one of the great thing. Another great thing about the um, the the new metagenomic sequencing that um, you're going to be doing. It's uh, if I remember correctly, it's called microbiomics, that's right? right? Yeah, that's right. And um, is it it tells you not only what the organism is and how much there is of it, but also what genet which organisms have the genetic material to produce certain metabolites. Yes, yes. And so that is super exciting. And um, someday I think that if we do that metagenomic sequencing mm-hmm. and we find out a person is their, their, their bacteria is deficient in genetic material to make certain healthy metabolites that then we could, you know, really focus on getting those metabolites um, into uh, into the GI tract. And that's where postbiotics, mm-hmm. I think, are going to come in. Yep. And po- postbiotics are, um, as you know, are taking, <laughs> taking uh, what you would normally use for a fecal transplant and actually killing the organisms, but leaving in the in the sample leaving their metabolites Mm -hmm. so um i think that's going to be more useful in the years to come for uh, a lot of different things not only ibd but um also possibly um uh, autoimmune diseases as well makes sense makes total sense i mean you think about the one postbiotic we basically have and butyrate or butyric acid Mm -hmm. and how transformative that has been just all by itself but what if we think about all the other metabolites that are available but we did have several aha moments very similar to what you're saying dr jerby and we're realizing that we're just at the infancy of understanding the microbiome and so with this whole genome sequencing and the microbiomics in medical affairs we kind of dug deep to say like it really doesn't matter who's there or not yeah. if if the metabolite is being made. So if I'm out of work for a week and Michael and the team here pick up and do my job, that's great. So it, it might be something similar in the microbiome, and that's what this metagenomics is going to help us figure out specifically. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think uh, it's going to just open up a whole new world of, um, of uh, helping people and also predicting disease. Um, you know, if you've got a bunch of bacteria that make, uh, for instance, that uh, have the propensity to make hexa LPS, mm-hmm. um, hexa LPS is like the super va- bad version of LPS, which stands for lipopolysaccharides for anybody who doesn't know that. But LPS is, um, you know, initiator of the inflammatory cascade. It um, is probably involved in um, all the manifestations of, uh, of um, you know, in, inflammatory bowel disease in some way, shape, or form. But uh, hexa-LPS is one of those things that on uh, the microbiomics analysis, we're going to be able to, to um, uh, you know, see if the, a person's microbiome has a 
big, a large propensity to make a significant amount of help LPS uh, hexa LPS, and and that's um, you know that's involved in all kinds of metabolic diseases, inflammatory diseases, and 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 the like. So. Um, yeah, I mean, stuff like that, things that good things that bacteria make and bad things that bacteria <laughs> make, right. um, we'll be able to identify those a lot better. That was a thousand percent. And for those of you who are listening and you have IBD or you're, you're a patient and, and you realize the genius of Dr. Brian Jerby, we, <laughs> we know that within your practice, Legacy Health, you've assembled like an entire cross-functional team that works under construct. So you have like the SIBO Center. And then the Integrative IBD Institute. Can you talk a little bit about your practice and what patients can expect when they go to your website and sign up to see you? Yeah, so I I uh, I find that a lot of people are looking for answers, but they don't know what they're looking for. Hmm. Um, and so many times, if 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 we're able to talk and and say it sounds like you are looking for the root cause of your problem and you're tired of band-aids because a lot of people come to me and they've been through the gamut of this test that test every test that um, could be done ct scans colonoscopy egd Mm -hmm. blood work etc and um, people are just telling them that um, they don't have any answers or they've gotten this big this big label that I, 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 I'm going to get on my soapbox here, but um, <laughs> they've been given this label of IBS mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just a label and it's not a diagnosis. It's a cop out that doctors use because they don't really know what the problem is. Right. And once you get labeled with IBS, then you've got that label forever. And whenever a doctor sees it on your record, Oh, yeah, you've got IBS. Um, it's BS. So I talk to a lot of people um, and offer a 15-minute um, phone consultation because I want to help them understand what we do. We're looking for root causes. And I also, you know, describe to them in brief uh, how we look for root causes of um, of, of GI problems. Um, so if if people are are looking for answers and they want to talk to me, they definitely can set up a phone consultation. You can do that through my, my website. And then they'll learn what we do in looking for root causes. And so they then um, if that if that resonates with them, they're like, Yeah, I want to know what the reason for my symptoms are and not just treat the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to treat the reason for those then um, they definitely can uh, schedule an appointment with us and um, we can uh, delve into um, the root causes. And we come from a holistic approach. Uh, We're looking at all aspects of a person's life, including diet, stress levels, sleep, you know, um, the whole, the whole gamut. We don't just focus on their gut because we know that um, there are other things that influence a person's gut health um, and a person's gut health health influences every other part of their body too right. so it's a two-way street right yep. so um, they can expect to have a root cause approach um, and uh, you know we're digging deeper than most um, conventional medicine 
um, practices are. And so um, they've had all the standard tests. They know that they don't have cancer and they, uh, and they know that they don't have, um, you know, any other uh, disease that, um, that conventional medicine can diagnose and treat. So we're looking below the surface. We're looking for imbalances. We're looking for um, overgrowths and, um, and, you know, digestive abnormalities, uh, malabsorption, maldigestion, uh, you know, we're just looking for uh, all the other things that haven't been looked for yet. And then some people do come and say, I don't want to go through all those tests. Um, I know there's a problem. Is there uh, a way that we can find out the root cause without having to go through all those tests? And so um, we can definitely try to accommodate that as much as possible as well. So I don't know if that answers your question. It absolutely does. And I'll tell you, Dr. Jerby, Michael and I are sitting here. We could totally geek out on the microbiome for hours. No, with I was you. just thinking we should. We, you should come back on if you're so willing. I'd love to talk like gut brain axis oh, and some yes. of those other inputs oh, you know that you were talking yes. about. Yes, we're scheduled. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. I'm I'm always ready to geek out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna link to LegacyHealthMD.com in the show notes and your podcast, The Gut Connection. And we're so grateful that you came. But before we let you go, we do have one last question. That I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. Yeah, uh, we always end with a ridiculous, silly question called the fireball. It's meant to burn, be so hot that it singes your eyebrows off your face. Can't stand it. And so, my question for you, Dr. Derby, is: I mean, knowing that you've got 10 years, you know, in organic farming under your belt, do you have the what is the best plant to put in the ground and grow? What what is the most sort of rewarding plant to grow? Oh, wow. Favorite plants. Um, That's a good one, Michael. That is a good one. <laughs> um, I have so many. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess I'm going to um, nuance that. Um, my favorite um, uh, f- uh, floral type plant is hydrangea. I love the, I love every Aww. variety. I've got bunches of wow uh different hydrangeas in my in my um in my flower garden so i love hydrangeas um all colors all varieties uh i do cuttings i do rootings i you know i just i geek out with um trying to get all the different kinds of hydrangeas (laughs) but when it comes to nutritional um type uh plants uh i'm gonna be really uh, weird. And <laughs> my, I have to say that one of my favorite plants to grow are carrots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Why it's, uh, I just love the fact that, um, I can grow them all year round yeah. and this is the best season for carrots. Fall carrots are the best because huh. it starts to cool down and they start to concentrate some sure. of their natural mm. sugars. And if your soil is clean, which mine is, right. I can go out into my uh, into my garden and I can pull me a carrot. I can wipe the little bit of dirt residue off of my pants and I can eat it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like nature's it's, snack. It's right there. Right, right it's, there. God gives it's it to amazing. you. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, and unfortunately the deer like it too. Oh, so, uh, yeah. That. So I fight, I fight with them on who gets those first. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. answer. So good. Well, Dr. Jerby, again, 
We can't thank you enough for spending time with us. And hopefully you'll agree to come back because we have lists more questions yeah. for you, sir. Yeah, anytime. It's been it's been a lot of fun and thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think we have a new powerhouse, a new person to turn to when we get oh my goodness. stuck in some of our situations. So I'm struck basically by, somebody who can speak better than us. I'm struck by that because number one, I'm struck by the voice. Got an excellent podcasting voice. Very, very good podcast. Connection voice. podcast. But with that, when someone can speak that eloquently about things like whole genome sequencing and yeah. metagenomics and and his approach to inflammatory bowel disease, <clears throat> having seen the other side of that end stage disease, I thought was Fantastic. Yeah, and even just helping to understand, break down all the different elements that can go into contributing to IBD flares and what we can do about it. Uh, there's just a lot of information there and so much more information. I feel like we could have gone on for probably another hour. Yeah. So that's usually a good sign. That, and That's the sign he's coming back because no we got doubt. more questions. No doubt. The other thing, too, is you know how many times I've asked different podcast guests they'll just come on for like a parenting tip All segment? the time. All the time. Now we've got a go-to for organic gardening. Yes. Right? And we can just have gardening tips because I got to tell you, it's not easy <laughs> to get some yield. I mean, he's obviously doing well because he's like selling them in his office and stuff. And for so, 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, everyone needs some gardening tips, right? Let's get them. Next time on The Lab Report, Jacqueline Sclavin. Optimizing nutrition in elite athletes. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you say elite, we're talking elite. Famous. Elite. Like big time. The best of the best. You have no idea. Top gun. Right. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Okay, Chapsy, pull out that little phone of yours. we got to circle back on the pumpkin pollution. I have some theories, but now you have me intrigued. I need to know what's causing the pumpkin pollution. <laughs> well, apparently... People throwing pumpkins away, them ending up in the landfill, and then when they decay, they release methane. Seriously? That's, this is the article, right? So That's clickbait. Well, it absolutely is, because it's not really pollution, it's overproduction, <laughs> right? And it's like, it's are, like cows are already producing methane. This isn't like a, a new concept. No, it's worse than that. In what respect? The pumpkin industry has lost their mind. <laughs> they have, they have way overreached. They are too big for their own good. <laughs> you can't get anything that's not pumpkin flavored. Hmm. Yet another industry you're angry at. This, this is a recurrent <laughs> just theme. A pattern. <laughs> pattern of just general anger issues. <laughs>